Hello, hello, and welcome back to Girl We Gotta Talk. I'm your host, Elena Jakes. Welcome back to another episode. I am joined by the Molly Gimmel, and I'm so excited to sit down and chat today. I have a million and two questions, like I was just telling her. And you guys, we are, we're spoiled today because we're going to learn so much in this episode from Molly, and I'm just excited to chat. So thank you for coming on today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So there's so much to cover with you. I feel like you've done it all, (laughs) and you're still doing it all. Um, Your quick little elevator pitch and kind of your introduction, so people who don't know already um, can kind of get to know you. Um, I am... Molly Gimmel. I am an entrepreneur. I own two businesses, uh, Design to Delivery, which I've had for over 21 years now, and Valamo Leadership Institute, which I just started last year. Um, I, um, I'm i really uh, passionate about helping women. Um, I also serve on the advisory board for Enterprising Women Magazine and on the board for the Women in Business Initiative for George Mason University. Um, and Valamo's mission is really to help women be better leaders. And so leadership is another, um, passion, um, of mine that over the last 20 years, uh, since starting my business, I've really become a lot more interested in what makes somebody an effective leader and how can you develop those characteristics. So yeah, we'll talk about that later, I guess. Yes, I know. I'm so excited. <laughs> so you're doing it all is basically what you just said. Um, well, I don't, I wouldn't say all. <laughs> doing so many things. And I, I feel like every time... I come here or we chat or I see you, mm-hmm. I always get re-inspired because you are somebody that supports other women. And so I love that. And a lot of what you do is that. Mm-hmm. Um, so now let's rewind. Okay. And growing up, did you mm-hmm. always want to be an entrepreneur, have your own business, or is that something that kind of came later in life in college and walk me through? Uh, no, I had no plans to be an entrepreneur when I was a kid. Um, you know, it's funny because I should have, because I, I come from a family of entrepreneurs. Oh, okay. Um, my dad is a lawyer, and you don't normally think of lawyers as entrepreneurs, but um, he left the big downtown firm when I was just a little kid and started his own practice and has now had it for almost 50 years. Um, wow. Yeah. Um, he does wills and estate planning, so it's not too strange. It's not like courtroom yeah. <laughs> stuff. But he's 80 but years still, old, and he's, yeah. still, he's still working. Wow. Um, That's amazing. Yeah. And my mom, all growing up, always had kind of, she was a stay-at-home mom, but she always had side, side businesses, hustles, side hustles, part-time things. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, entrepreneurship wasn't really something that was talked about when I was a kid. Um, so no, I really had no plans. Um, for a while, I thought I wanted to be a lawyer. Then I, for a while, I thought I wanted to be an accountant. Um, then I saw the movie, what was that movie with Michael J. Fox? Um, Secret of My Success. Okay. Where he cons his way into an executive management training program at a big corporation. Um, and all of a sudden I saw that and I was like, business, that's what I want to do. I want to be in business. Um, and I had visions of working for a big fortune 500 corporation and traveling the world and all that kind of stuff. And so I did, I went to college for business. I was a business major. For a while, I, th- I thought about doing accounting because I enjoyed my 101 accounting classes. But then as I got into the more advanced classes, I was like, yeah, this isn't for me. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Uh, so I ended up ma- majoring in marketing. Oh, okay. Um, but then I graduated from college in the middle of a recession. And there were not very many jobs. <laughs> so I took what I could get, which ended up being government contracting. 
and I enjoyed it and I liked it. So I was like, okay, well, I guess this is what I'm going to do now. Yeah. Um, so I've been in government contracting now for a very long time. So 10 years working for some of the big accounting consulting firms in their government consulting practices and then started my own business in 2001. Amazing. Well, I, I was going to ask you, like, graduating college, what mm-hmm. were some of the challenges? But it seems like, I mean, there was a challenge. It was There weren't that many jobs yeah. out there. So how did you navigate kind of having your mindset maybe on something that you wanted to do to then going into government contracting? Like, mm-hmm. how did you navigate? Did that get yeah. you down? I mean, you ended up liking it, but what was the yeah. path to that? So all through college, I had worked... Every summer and Christmas vacation and stuff, I had worked at a title company. And so after I graduated, I didn't have a job lined up, so I just went back and started working at the title company again. After about a year, and I was living with my parents, um, and after about a year and a half of that, my parents were like, okay, (laughs) we didn't pay all this money for you to go to college to work in the same place you worked when you didn't have a degree. Right. So you need to find a real job. So this was the days before the internet. There was yeah. no Indeed. <laughs> there was no ZipRecruiter. Not that easy. <laughs> you had to find a job basically either through contacts or through ads in the newspaper. Mm-hmm. And so I responded to an ad in the newspaper for a temp to perm administrative assistant. <laughs> and I got that job. And it was with a company that did government contracting. Yeah. Wow. And that's how I got into the industry. And I knew nothing about government contracting when I first started. I had never even really thought about it as a, I mean, given we're in the D.C. area, I should have thought about it, but (laughs) it wasn't just, it just wasn't on my radar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So how was, uh, how was that first year at the job? Obviously it's new. You're trying to figure everything out. So much. Yeah. Yeah. Just trying to absorb everything. Mm -hmm. Did you feel pressure as someone that was so young in that role or was it just, um, well, it was an entry level role. Yeah. Um, it was an executive assistant role or an admin assistant role, but, um, I quickly moved into a, like a junior acquisition analyst role after that. So the con- that company I was working for had a contract with defense health affairs, which is what the agency was called then. Um, and so we helped them with their procurements. We helped them like do the paperwork and, um, manage the process of, um, buying things, mostly like systems, IT systems and things like that, that went in the military hospitals. Okay. So yeah, so they paired me up with a more senior person and he kind of trained me on how, how things work and how, and what to do and what all the different documents are. And, um, so yeah, I, I learned a ton my first couple years and, um, I was, I was there for two years. I, the guy who was the COO of the company actually kind of took a liking to me. And when he left, I had been there about a year and a half when he left, and he said to me, hey, um, if you, when you're ready to leave, call me, because I'll have a job for you. And he was going to KPMG. Okay. And KPMG was one of the companies that I had interviewed with on campus, but they only took people who like were in the top 10% grades-wise. Mm-hmm. And I was not in the top 10% grades-wise. <laughs> not even close. <laughs> And uh, so at first, you know, I had a little bit of imposter syndrome when he first said that. And I was like, oh, I can't go to KPMG. They didn't want me, you know, and then I'm not, didn't get good enough grades, blah, blah, blah. But you know what? It turns out that companies don't care about your grades in college, except for that first job right out of school. 
After that, no one even asks. Yeah. Never. Isn't that interesting? Isn't it? It's like you have the, you're so stressed all of school to get the grades, get the honor mm-hmm. roll, like be AAA, like everything. Right. And nobody, not one interview did someone say like, I really, we really had a liking to you because of your grades. Right. <laughs> it's always like the experience and the uh-huh. jobs you have. Like Exactly. It's so interesting that we mm-hmm. stress ourselves out so much to yeah. get the good grades and it's not even... The only time it really matters is if you're applying to grad school. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so if you want to go on and go to law school or med school or whatever, then it matters what your grades were undergrad. Otherwise, it doesn't. Yeah. At all. So interesting. <laughs> yeah. So interesting. So working under somebody with so much experience... Mm-hmm. Um, what did you learn from him like the most? Like what was something that you really took away once you left and you started working somewhere else? Um, was there anything that kind of stuck, like stuck with you? Just being open to new opportunities, being open to learning new things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at, at KPMG, I was also doing government stuff, but it was, all, but it was different. I was managing, um, a contract that KPMG had with the U S agency for international development. So on this contract, we were sending economists and bankers and stuff over. This was early 90s, so right when the Soviet Union was falling apart and all the countries were all brand new countries, right? Mm -hmm. So we were working with those countries that were former Soviet countries to help them set up central banks and banking systems and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, so I was like in charge of managing that contract. Um, Not the work being done, obviously, because I'm not an economist. Or a banker. Sure. <laughs> it's not really your expertise. No, not at all. But like the contractual stuff and the right. financials and tracking the monies and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. So I was in, I was doing that. So I just, I learned a ton there too. So every job really I've, I ever had, I, I learned a ton. Mm-hmm. I think especially starting out, you should be like a sponge. You yeah. should just want to like Absolutely. absorb everything and try to like mm-hmm. learn as much as you can, as much as possible. Absolutely. Um, do you have any advice for yourself at that time or do you feel like you did it pretty well with just like really wanting to learn? And really I think put I yourself... did it pretty well at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, cause I was still pretty junior, but I knew some stuff and actually I think it was when I was at KPMG, I was only there for two years, but towards the end of my time there's when I decided to go back and get my master's degree in contract and acquisition management. Yeah. Um, because I said, you know, this, I really enjoy this field. This is what I want. I want to learn more. And so, yeah, I think just don't be afraid to go back and to, to take on more. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm a whole lot older now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm 54 right now. Yeah. And I still learn new things all the time. So, you know, I think you have to be, I see so many young people these days are like, oh, well, I have a degree from XYZ college or university or whatever. You know what? No one so, cares. Yeah. <laughs> no one cares. Good job. Gold star. <laughs> exactly. You're do, you know, even, and yes, you do learn a lot of things in college, but it's actual, you know, on the job learning, training um, that really matters. Mm-hmm. And you always have to be open to learning new things. Yeah. I completely agree. I mean, going to school and having, I had a great experience in school. I learned mm-hmm. so much. And I remember, I think as a sophomore or, or a junior, you have to have an intern credit. Mm. And at the time I was like, that's so inconvenient. Like, I don't want to do that. And mm-hmm. then that internship completely changed everything for me. And I was thrown into real world scenarios and I have to right. do the job. Right. And I don't think I would have been as prepared for the real world had I not been in that internship. So oh, I sure. think like 
class and things like that are very important, yes. But it's the real life experience that mm-hmm. is so important. Yeah, where did you go to school? Longwood. Oh, okay. Yeah, small school. And then I had an internship in Leesburg at a big PR firm and learned so much. So awesome. moving into opening your own company. Yes. And co-founding Design to Delivery. Walk me through what led you to that point and how you had, I want to say, the balls to do that. <laughs> okay. um, and So after KPMG, I went to Arthur Anderson, which no longer exists. Um, it was another one of the big big five or big six or however many there are um, of the accounting consulting firms. And I worked there for five years. And that, I think Arthur Anderson was really the turning point for me professionally. That it was the place where I felt feel like I became a leader. Um, I went in there as, you know, it's a very hard, it was a very hierarchical organization. So I went in there as a senior consultant, but while I was there during that time, I got promoted to be a manager and I was being put in charge of people and asked to lead projects and, and manage things and manage teams and stuff. And so, um, I feel like our Anderson, my experience there was really the turning point or the linchpin of, of who I am today. And, um, so I actually, towards the end of my time at Anderson, um, and I left about two years before the whole Enron scandal caused mm-hmm. the company to go kablooey. Mm-hmm. But towards the end, I started thinking about leaving and start, starting my own company. Um, I was at the point at Anderson where I just was ready for a change. And I started thinking about starting my own company. Um, but then I got a call from Deloitte. Oh, <laughs> hey. And they were in the process of standing up a new federal practice, and they wanted someone to come and manage the PMO for that. And so I decided to take that job. And I went there, and I was miserable. Okay. Um, the culture there was just not a good fit for me, and the job wasn't exactly what I was expecting it to be, and it just wasn't a good fit at all. I just really wasn't happy. And I started talking to one of my coworkers, and she was kind of in the same position. We, we worked really well together, and we got along, but she also was not happy there. And so I, thinking back to when I had been at Anderson, was thinking maybe I should start my own company. I said that to her, hey, you know, I've been thinking about starting a company. Would you be interested in partnering with me? And she was like, no, I don't think so. I really like having a steady paycheck and health insurance. (laughs) Fair. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, But then a couple months later, she, um, she was told that she couldn't take any time off in August, which in government contracting, that's busy season. Mm-hmm. Um, and then her boss took two weeks off. <laughs> and yep. then she was told that there was no money in the budget for a raise. And so she called me and she said, you know, <laughs> I'm thinking about <laughs> something. Uh, she said, you know how we talked about starting a company together? And I was like, yeah. She's like, I think, I think we're ready. To, I'm ready to talk about it. <laughs> it's time. It's time. Oh my gosh. Okay. So that's so funny. I think well, starting a company is very bold. It's a risk. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, I mean, rightfully so. She's like, health insurance, I like the stable paycheck. Like, all yeah, of that makes of sense. Course. Fine. Absolutely. But it's funny that you went back, you still were thinking about it um, mm-hmm. years later of like, dang, it's still in the back of my head. Well, I it was really... only about a year later. Okay. And I still, I still want to do it. I, yeah. So you trusted your gut, and yeah. you guys put your heads together, and, and yeah. you guys started this. So what were those? I mean, I could have, yeah, you're right. I mean, I could have said, well, Deloitte isn't working out. Let me go find a job somewhere else. Yeah. But 
I mean, most people probably would. Um, but no, I just had that in the back of my head and yeah. I just wanted to do it. And I just figured, you know, at the time I wasn't married. I had no kids. It was like, as long as I can make enough money to put gas in the car and feed the cats, you know, We're good. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be fine. Exactly. So, um, and if it doesn't work out, I can go get a job. Right. Right. So, yeah. Um, so we just said, you know what, let's, let's do it. So we got together that weekend and, um, kind of said, okay, well, let's start reaching out to our contacts in the industry. And we wanted to start a consulting firm to help small businesses do government contracting. So a lot of people start businesses because they're really good at what they do. You know, they're a really good accountant. They're a really good engineer. They're a graphic designer, whatever it is. So they say, I'm going to start an engineering firm. But then they have no idea how to go about doing proposals to the government or Mm -hmm. marketing or getting on GSA schedule or all the things that um, have to do with selling to the government. So we decided to start a consulting firm helping small businesses to do that. Yeah, that's where you come in. Okay. Yeah, that's where we came in. Mm -hmm. So we reached out to our contacts. We started talking about it. And we said, we'll start putting together a business plan and we'll launch. This was Labor Day weekend. And we'll launch January 1st. Well, within a week, we both had been talking to people. We had half a dozen people say, don't wait till January. We need you now. Wow. We want to hire you. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. So we said, okay. So the following weekend, we went to my parents' house. Um, like I said, my dad's a lawyer, and so he drew up the corporate papers and stuff. And um, the next day, that Monday, he filed our incorporation papers, and we gave our two-week notice to Deloitte. Yeah. And the next day was 9-11. So I, that <laughs> is crazy to me because I mm-hmm. knew that already. Yeah. And that timing must have been – walk me through that because <laughs> that's – yeah. That's a lot. It was a lot. Like, t- how did you... Yeah. Um, you know, it was one of those things that when... What happened was on that Monday when we were giving our notice, we both wanted... We both reported to different people. And we both wanted to tell our bosses in person. Um, but mine was on travel that day. And hers was in meetings all day long. And every time she went to him and was like, hey, can I talk to you? He was like, I'll wait till after this meeting. Wait till after mm. this meeting. So finally, it was 5 o'clock, and neither of us had had a chance to talk to our boss. And so finally, we said, you know what? Let's just type out an email. Yep. This is my two-week notice. <laughs> and hit send, and we packed up and left. Wow. And so all night, all Monday night, we were on the phone like, oh, my God, what's going to happen tomorrow? Whoa. How are they going to react? Are they going to tell us to pack up and leave now? Are they going to let us work for the last two weeks? You know, what's going to happen? Well, the next morning, of course, you know what happened. And by the time we got to the office, both of the towers had been hit. Wow. Um, the Pentagon had just been hit and people were, everybody was crowded around the TV and, you know, freaking out. So no one really cared. Right. You're, <laughs> you're bottom of the list exactly. today. <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh. So, oh my yeah. Gosh. So one of the partners came in, the senior partner came into my office and said, Hey, I hear you're leaving. And I said, yeah, Diana and I are going to start our own business. And he, at first, you know, he was kind of, you're leaving and, yeah. you know, kind of giving me the side eye. And then when I said, well, Diana and I are leaving to start a business, and he was like, what? That's really cool. And ah. I always thought about starting my own business, and he was very supportive about it. And so they did not kick us out, and they <laughs> let us work for two weeks. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, so that was how we started the company. But wow. then the problem with since 9-11, you know, of those half dozen potential clients. Right, I was going to ask, then what? Four of the six went away. Okay. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> so, wow. oh, we, we're going to to wait on this we don't know what's going to happen you know the world changed it changed completely yeah so 
navigating that in a new business starting mm-hmm. off, what did you guys end up doing? Were there any differences that you guys mm-hmm. had or? Yeah. You know, well, one good thing that came out of it, the fact of the 9-11 um, was that, you know, not right away, but a few months later, the government formed the Department of Homeland Security. They launched the war in Afghanistan. They were spending billions and billions and billions of dollars. Right. And all sorts of companies that had never been interested in selling to the government before now wanted to, but had no idea how to go about it. Boom. Boom. Wow. So we had said, okay, for the first year, we're just going to work out of our homes. We're not going to hire anybody. It'll just be the two of us. Within six months, we had an office and three employees. We were so busy. Wow. (laughs) And it just went up from there. That's so interesting because, I mean, it completely, I think you guys would have been great. You had all these people ready to go to work with you and... I can't imagine like this is something that helped you even more so. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, so with your business partner, mm-hmm. uh, how was that like kind of the process of starting the business with her and then kind of moving forward within the business? Are there roles? Like how did you guys oh, yeah. kind of work together on that? Yeah. Well, luckily when my dad did the paperwork for us, he mm-hmm. said, you know, you guys need an operating agreement. And we were like, what are you talking about? What is that? <laughs> Well, it kind of sets out the parameters yeah. of how the business will work. What what will you do if you don't agree on something? Um, and then also there's a buy-sell section within it that says, what happens if one of you wants to leave? What happens if one of you can't work anymore, is, is disabled or something? What happens if one of you dies? So we had to kind of sit down at the beginning and think through all of those kinds Smart. of things yeah. from the very beginning. That's great. So yeah. I think too many people don't. And you hear these horror stories of, okay, this person's partner died, so their business shares were inherited by their 17-year-old son. Um, And how do you deal with that? And so we've, you know, we had that all set up from the very beginning of what would happen if this or that or the other or whatever. Yeah. So I think that's really important to do. Yeah. Um, And when we first started, um, she had no experience, like, doing QuickBooks or bookkeeping or anything. And I had done that before. So we were like, okay, I'll do that. And she had a lot of experience doing business development, and I really didn't. So she was like, okay, I'll do that. And so we did that for the first few months, and both of us weren't really very happy doing that. And uh, so we had a conversation one day and said, you know, I said, I really hate bookkeeping. <laughs> can we switch it up? <laughs> can, we, can we make some changes? And she was like, absolutely. I really would prefer to do that. Oh, amazing. And so we switched, and it's been that way ever since. Oh, perfect. So she handles all the internal corporate stuff, the, the bookkeeping, the accounting, the HR, IT, security, all the legals. She's the person who deals with all of that stuff, and I'm the client-facing person. So I do the business development, and then I oversee um, the performance of the work. Okay. That's nice. And mm-hmm. that's nice that you both have qualities that differ from one another yeah. that actually do benefit the company. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, having that agreement, or at least even the conversation also at the beginning of everything, yeah. is super important. Absolutely. Um, and also, you guys were essentially friends and coworkers. So yeah. do you feel like Well, we that... were coworkers. We weren't really friends. Well, okay. I was so, gonna... Yeah, and I think that's important because as coworkers, we knew how each other's worked. We right. knew our work styles. We knew how we thought about the work stuff. But we weren't really close friends. I mean, we had we didn't hang out on weekends or anything outside like that. Outside of your outside job. Outside of the job. Okay. You know, we'd go to lunch every now and then, but that was about it. But yeah. I think it's more important to have worked with somebody before and to understand how they work and what their values are in terms of the way they do the job and mm-hmm. what's important and things like that as opposed to 
if I was starting a business with a friend, I would. That's what I was that I ask hadn't you. worked with before. That would I would be very wary. Would you? Okay, that's what I was going to ask you. If you would have, if you guys were super close, mm-hmm. great coworkers, but also friends on the side, mm-hmm. do you think you still would have gone through with starting this company with her? Probably. Okay. If we had worked together, yeah. Um, I'm just saying now, if like a friend who I'd never worked with came to me and said, "Sure, <laughs> hey, we'll start this business with me," no, uh, I don't know how you operate. I don't think I don't exactly. Know. Yeah. And so many people who have done that, they're you know, it, it doesn't work out, and the, their friendships destroyed. Right. And it risks. I mean, that. now yeah. Diana and I are best friends because you know, 21 years. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah. But 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 then we weren't. Yeah. Do you have any takeaways that you could share with? starting the business, starting the company, getting, you know, Mm -hmm. clients that you want to share with people that are looking to do the same? Sure. Um, The key way we got clients when we first started the business, there were two, two key ways. The first was through our contacts. We reached out to everyone we knew in the industry and told them what we were doing and said, hey, do you need any help with these things or do you know Know anybody? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was number one. And then the number two way is we did a lot of free training. Oh, okay. So we went to the Women's Business Center in D.C. and said, hey, we'll give free workshops to your clients who are business owners who started small businesses. And we got a lot of clients out of the people who came to those workshops. Yeah, that's smart. That's a really good idea to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to move into focusing on the women in business because I think number one you starting a company with another woman is also just so amazing like I love this um but you're involved in NABO yes which is an organization around women in business and kind of networking and and being you know Mm -hmm. supportive of one another Mm -hmm. what got you into NABO and why have you been such a crucial part of that organization um, I joined NABO probably a year, year and a half after we started the business um, okay. because, as I said, I had only worked for big companies before. I had never done any sales. I had never really had, you know, any of the things. And I found, I came across them. I'm not even sure how I came across them. I don't even know so long ago. Um, but I went to one of their events, um, the local chapter here in the D.C. area, and started talking to some of the people and realized that I knew nothing about running a business. And one of the things that NABO does is a lot of different workshops and um, speakers and things like that on various topics around running and growing businesses. Mm -hmm. And so that's really the main reason I got involved. Um, At the beginning, they also were doing, they were focusing on women in government contracting as well. So so I was like, perfect. This is, you know, I can, I can learn lots of stuff about having a business and growing a business. And then I can also potentially market for new clients here mm-hmm. um, from the other members who are in government contracting. Um, I got a few clients out of it, not a ton, but the, the, the learning, all, everything I learned about growing the business um, was huge, huge, that I would then take back and be like, okay, here's what we're going to try this new thing or yeah. that new thing or, hey, did we, let's talk about X, Y, Z that I had never even thought about before. Yeah. So. Well, I think having an organization like that where you're able to network, number one, but also mm-hmm. you are learning from everybody else. Yeah. And it's just everyone's in the same room for the same reason. And, you know, there's yeah. people with new businesses or there's people that have been in the industry for X amount of years, but everyone is learning something from someone. Yeah. 
And I think that's really cool. And it's all women, which is even mm-hmm. better. I don't know if we said this is National Association of Women Business Owners. Yes. So yes. it's all, yeah, all women who own businesses, mm-hmm. either full-time, part-time, whatever. So a little bit more about NABO. Uh-huh. You remind me your role because you're, okay, what so, is your title? Sorry. <laughs> right now I don't actually have one. Okay. Okay. Well, I sort of do. Um, so way back then I got involved at, with the local chapter here and about a year or two in was asked to be on the chapter board, um, served on the board for a few years, then was asked to be chapter president, did that. And then I got involved at the national level, um, served on a couple national committees because NABO is an organization across, has about 60 chapters across the country. Yes. Um, served on a couple committees at the national level and then decided to apply to be on the national board was on the national board for several years, was chair of the national board for a year. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. So I've, I've, I have served in just about every role there is to serve in, yeah, I'm like, in the organization. Yeah, I feel like you've done it all. <laughs> yeah. So I guess my official title at the national level would be past chair. Okay. Because um, I was national board chair um, from 2018 and 19. And then at the chapter level, um, lat- two years ago? Two years ago, they named me President Emeritus, so it's kind of an honorary title. Okay, so. amazing. It doesn't have any responsibilities, which I like. <laughs> yeah, it's a good title. Yes. Um, so for people that have never heard of NABO, that mm-hmm. own a business, um, maybe even younger women, what would you tell them about NABO, and like, why do you think they should kind of learn more, get into it, um, join the community? So many reasons. The first, like like me, so many don't know how to, what they're doing in terms yeah. of, you know, you don't want to admit it to yourself or to anybody else, especially, but you know, if you really, um, it, Novo provides so many resources, so many programs, um, workshops, webinars for women to learn what they need to know to be a successful business owner. Um, so that's one. The second is the community. Um, it's such a supportive community. We call it a sisterhood and we really, do care about our Nabo sisters and we support them. And, you know, I have made so many of my best friends through Nabo, mm-hmm. um, Nabo members across the country, not just here in this local area, but Nabo members across the country. And people don't really understand being a business owner. You know, your friends and family, the people that you're, you know, buddies with, the people you go to happy hour with, they're probably not business owners. So they probably can't relate to the challenges that you're facing and the struggles and the stress that you have um, as a business owner. So having a community of other women who get it, who you can call and be like, oh crap, I don't think I'm gonna be on my payroll on Friday, or oh crap, I'm, you know, this client's pissed at me and I don't know if they're gonna, you know, if they're gonna cancel my contract or whatever. And having that community to, who can commiserate with you, um, who can be your mentor, who can be advisors, it's just invaluable. Yeah. I think that's like, that's a very good point. I think that's kind of the whole purpose of it's just having that community that gets it. Mm-hmm. They know. And if you don't know enough, they're going to know enough and they can help you and yes. vice versa. And I Absolutely. think it's, it's the safe space for people that own businesses. Absolutely. <laughs> um, they understand. Yeah. So kind of moving into that area, mm-hmm. you wrote a book I did, where you interviewed amazing women that own businesses that have been a part of this industry called Master Your Mindset, mm-hmm. which is so good. Every person that you've interviewed has all these stories that they've shared about their personal experiences. Mm-hmm. What inspired you to write the book, to start, to start that project? 
Um, the, my service on the National Board of Nauvoo is what inspired me because over the years I would ha see different chapters go through these cycles where you know, one chapter would be growing and thriving and doing lots of great stuff and another chapter would be really struggling. And then a couple of years later, it would have reversed where the chapter that was previously growing would now be struggling and vice versa. Interesting. And when you look at the reasons why that happens, it's always leadership. Hmm. It's because every chapter is run by a volunteer board of members um, and it changes. Some, some chapters change every year, some every two years. Whether the person who's the chapter president is a strong, effective leader has a huge impact on the chapter as a whole and how it does. So if someone's a crappy leader, then you'll usually see members leaving in droves. Yeah. <laughs> and if someone's a good leader, a strong leader, then, then that's when they're growing and thriving and doing all sorts of great stuff. And so it made me really think about what are the attributes of, that make someone an effective leader, a good leader? And so that's when, when my term on the national board ended, um, that's when I decided to write the book. Yeah. And so not everybody that I interviewed for the book are business owners. A lot of them are, but not all. Yeah. There's some who are in corporate. There's some who are in nonprofits and government. Mm -hmm. So a lot of different. I tried to yeah, get as it, much variety as possible. Yeah, and I would agree with that. I think there's a good mix. Mm -hmm. um, and you hear just different stories and experiences and what they've learned and their yeah. journey. Was there anything that you were surprised by when writing it and when talking to these women? Or was it all like, yeah, no, I, I, I kind of assumed, you know? <laughs> I don't know if there was anything I was super surprised by. Okay. Um, some of the stories that they told were, were eye-opening. Yes, I would agree. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, why did you feel like it was important to, to write a book about women in leadership? Because of what you saw at NABO? Yeah. Or because maybe a lot of people don't know enough about being a leader or what was like the main drive? Um, a lot of it was because of what I saw at NABO, but it was also yeah. because, you know, I read a lot of leadership books and business books and stuff and very few of them are geared towards women. Mm. Most of the leadership books out there are not necessarily geared towards men, but like the people that they interview are... 90% men and the people that they talk about are 90% men and 90% of the books are written by men. And so I thought it would be important to highlight women leaders. Yeah. So the mindsets that I talk about aren't gender specific, but all of the people I interviewed for the book are women leaders. And so I just wanted to show that, you know, there's lots of women out there. None of them are famous or anything. It, they're all just regular people. Yes, which I thought was great <laughs> yeah. because it's like, oh, I know of that company in the area and they work for X, Y, and Z mm -hmm. and she's a mom. And it was just right. like very relatable and very easy to read. And you were just like, oh, like she's doing all this and I'm going to, you know, yeah. it's just, mm -hmm. it's a good read. And I think you learn so much from everybody's different yeah. stories. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you know what's funny is one of the people I interviewed was someone who I had worked with at Arthur Anderson years, you know, years and years ago, who I hadn't really known very well when I was there. But she was um, the first or the youngest ever female partner at Arthur Anderson. Wow. And then after Anderson went kablooey, she ended up at PricewaterhouseCoopers and was a partner there for a while. And um, so when I started doing the interviews, I reached out to her and said, hey, you know, I know I haven't, we haven't spoken in years, but, you know, can I interview for you for this book? And we went out and had a couple glasses of wine and chatted and um and now we've 
kind of reconnected and become a lot closer than we were back then. Wow, yeah. <laughs> and we're pretty good friends now. That's awesome. Which is pretty cool, yeah. Yeah. Um, so what was the feedback like when mm-hmm. you, when the book came out and people are reading it? Did you, like, what were you hearing from mm-hmm. people that, that got the book? Um, you know, most people told me that they really enjoyed it, that they, it really gave them things to think about. Um, a couple of people were like, oh my God, some of these women are amazing. You know, mm-hmm. in fact, one guy that I know who read it emailed me and was like, Hey, next time I'm in the area, can you, can you introduce me to Kathy Wilson? She's great. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would love like to her. have lunch with her. <laughs> that's amazing. That's amazing. I would love to pick her brain. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, that's yeah. what I was thinking too. It's like, Oh, I just want to like, I wanted more, you know, like I want to mm-hmm. learn more about them. Yeah. Um, Okay, so where can people purchase the book? Oh, on Amazon or barnesandnoble.com or any of the book websites. Perfect. Mm-hmm. I think leadership is one of those things that we're not really taught. Yeah. Um, it's a tough one. It's mm-hmm. you can, you know, you can be taught how to do accounting, you can taught, how, you know. Right. But leadership isn't really a course. Right. Um, so what are the most important things that if someone's listening right now thinking like, "Well, I'm in a leadership role. Mm-hmm. How do I know if I'm a good leader?" What would you tell them? A lot of people think that leadership is about a role or a job title, and it's not necessarily. I mean, yes, that's a part of it, but anybody can be a leader regardless of their job title. But someone who is, someone who has that job title and is like, you know, I want to be a good leader. I'm, they have people that they manage or whatever. I would say get the book, first of all. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll link it in the show notes. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, part, a big part of leadership is connection, and I talk about this in the book. And it's not just connecting with the people that you lead, because that's super important. Because if people don't feel connected to you, then they're not going to bother. Right. You know? It's also, you talk about it, um, having that connection and having the respect from people below you Mm -hmm. is very important. Because, I mean, I've been in positions where my boss or, you know, someone I have to work under is Mm -hmm. just rude. And he's, he's not, they're not a person that I want Mm -hmm. to do well for like I don't want to do my job because you're not making it an enjoyable experience Mm -hmm. and I think it's a big note that like you should be respectful you should want the people that work for you to like it you should make it like a safe space and you know but there's a tough yeah well the thing is is that two-thirds of people who quit their jobs do so not because they don't like the job itself or the company but because they don't like their boss Mm -hmm. and so being a good leader is important not just for you, but it's important for your company because otherwise your turnovers, if turnovers going to be horrible if someone's a bad leader. So I think, you know, being able to connect with the people and by connect, I mean, not necessarily being buddy, buddy or going to happy hour with them, but just being an authentic person, you know, treating them with respect, showing that you're not perfect. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that's huge. I think that's a big one. Showing well. that you're not perfect, being able to admit your mistakes. Yeah. And show how you learn from them. Having empathy is, you know, and understanding that leadership is really about service. Leadership is about serving the people that you're leading, not just telling them what to do. Mm. Yeah. I think the empathy one and showing your mistakes are really great points to make because when, you know, you look at someone that you work with and maybe they have the quality of not really admitting when they're wrong or Mm -hmm. if they made a mistake 
it's frustrating to you to be like, okay, well, it's not a big deal, but right. let's just like get it out there and then like let's find a solution. And I think it mm-hmm. makes it harder to work with someone that's not like that. Yeah, so I would agree. For sure. Those are big ones. For sure. But not just not just that, but people feel closer to you when they see you as a real flawed human, human being. being. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And they'll they'll want to work harder for you. They'll want to do better for you. They'll want to um, stay yeah. and, you know, do the best that they can. Yeah. Because if, if they think that you're just a standoffish jerk or rude or whatever, they're not going to try real hard for yeah, you. Yeah, they're not going to try and they're probably going to leave. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, I was just talking with an old co-worker yesterday, randomly enough, and... Um, we both, she still works for my old company under my manager, old manager. Mm-hmm. And we are both talking, what? The rude one? Um, no, not oh, the rude one. Okay. <laughs> not the rude one, but <laughs> like quite the opposite. And her and I were still going back and forth on, oh, like, I hope she's doing well. Like, uh, you oh, know, okay. I was saying she was the best. And sometimes I miss her guidance and mm-hmm. just the way that she led me as my manager. I've never felt more supported and Mm -hmm. you know she would tell me like hey that was incorrect what you did but totally fine here's how we're gonna fix it and the next time and I never did it again yeah you know and it was just one of those things where I so enjoyed working under someone like that and she created this whole team we had 15 of us on the team that kind of just all like we all kind of took her her qualities and did it with each other and we Mm -hmm. were just a very collaborative team Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I left that job, not for, not for her, not because, mm-hmm. you know, she made me want to leave Yeah. and quite the opposite. And I just had another opportunity, but I remember telling her I did the same thing. I had to write a little, um, email quickly, but then close my laptop. But then the next morning I was like, I'm so sorry. Um, yeah. it's not you, you have been amazing. And I think that she will always stick with me and I will always mm-hmm. have her in the back of my mind just not even as a manager, but just how she ran mm-hmm. her work yeah. and how she was as a person. I think those people are the ones that stick with you. Mm-hmm. And she was a human being, and I saw that. And she made mistakes, and she, but she was just, it was the way that she carried herself. And I think those are the people that, um, I don't know, they get mm-hmm. it and they make you want to be a better person and yeah. want to be a better employee in whatever you're doing. Yeah. Because yeah. the fact of the matter is that. Every leader, whether they want to or not, whether they think they are or not, they lead by example. Exactly. Because people don't care what you say. They care what you do mm-hmm. when you're the leader. And so whatever you're doing is you're setting the tone for the organization as a whole. Absolutely. So if you're standoffish, that's how your people are going to act. If you're collaborative, then that's how your people are going to act. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I think there's also something to say, too, about... It's not what they said, like you're saying. It's not what they said. It's how they made you feel when they said it. Right. And, you know, people have a certain way of, okay, well, this needs to get done. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you know, you could have said that in a more, you right. know, just like little things like that. Yeah. As being someone that works in that collaborative space, it's mm-hmm. a lot of how you make people feel when you are leading, right. essentially. Absolutely. And that's what creates the connection. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Moving into your newest yes. <laughs> venture, um, the Lama Leadership Institute, mm-hmm. it kind of incorporates everything we've been talking about today. Mm-hmm. Um, walk me through... Phoebe. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, my cat's eating a plant. Stop it. He's so cute. Okay. 
Walk me through what inspired you to start Velamo and your hopes for Velamo sure. as a whole. Um, so what inspired me to start Velamo was about the time that I was getting ready for the book to come out. I started thinking about, okay, books, books about to come out. Now what? Yeah. You know, what can I do with it? Mm -hmm. Cause I didn't want to just put a book out there in the world and that be that. Um, so I decided to start Velamo so that I could bring the lessons of the book to a wider audience mm -hmm. and not just teach them or cause they can read the book. Um, but to help people put the lessons into practice. So, um, to provide training and mentorship for um, emerging leaders mm -hmm. in business. Um, you know, one of my mentors said, the person that you're best equipped to help is the person you used to be. <laughs> and so I thought about myself when I was 30 years old and working at Arthur Anderson and getting promoted into managerial positions and being asked to lead teams and people and not really given much training <laughs> yep. or anything along those lines. And I said, you know, that's, that was the me that needed me now. And so that's why I started Velamos to, to be that mentor for the old me or the people who are currently in that situation, in that position. Mm -hmm. No, and I, I love that because I think sometimes you'll think back like, oh, I wish I had this when I was blank. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what you're saying with Velomo. Yeah. Um, in I, fact, I just did a poll on LinkedIn and said, um, for, if you're an emerging leaders, which of these items would be most impactful to you? Or if you're an experienced leader, which would have been Ooh. most important? And the number one answer by huge percentage was mentorship, having a mentor. Wow. And the number two was training. Wow. So I was like, okay. You're like, all right, here mm -hmm. we go. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Right? Well, I think that's, I mean, it says it right there. Like, yeah. this is what people need. Mm -hmm. um, and I think with what you said with the book and kind of bringing what we read to real life and bringing yeah. that to practices and, and workshops and stuff. So Velamo offers a lot of... Um, workshops, there's mm -hmm. live, walk me through like what it all incorporates basically. Okay. So it's an online community that, like you said, offers a lot of different workshops and, um, chat rooms on different topics where you can connect with other leaders, other members. Um, I'm getting ready to launch a new program, which I'm calling growth galaxies uh, <laughs> galaxy because, um, a galaxy is a group of starfish. And you know the starfish story. Yes. Well, uh, tell, tell everyone the okay. starfish story. Because when <laughs> okay. you go to Velamo, it's very yes. starfish. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the starfish story goes, okay, there was a big storm one night, and the next morning this guy goes down to the beach, and as far as the eye can see in both directions, there's thousands and thousands of starfish that have washed up onto the beach. So he's walking down the beach, and off in the distance he sees what looks like somebody dancing. And as he gets closer, he realizes it's a young girl, and she's picking up starfish and throwing them into the water and picking up starfish and throwing them into the water. And so he goes up to her and he says, why are you even bothering? There are so many starfish. You can't possibly make a difference. And she looks at him and turns around and picks up a starfish and throws it into the water and says, well, I just made a difference for that one. Mm. So I love that story yeah. um, because it, it reminds me that, you know, yeah, you can't help everybody, but the people that you can help, they're just as important. Mm -hmm. Um, and so 
the starfish is kind of Valamo's spirit animal. Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there's a starfish in our company logo. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, so a galaxy is a group of starfish. So the Growth Galaxies is a new program that I'm launching in a, um, April. Um, people will join a galaxy, and each galaxy will meet once a month and for about 90 minutes. The first 30, 40 minutes will be a workshop of some kind about a different leadership attribute, like authenticity or getting over imposter syndrome or building um, collab- collaborative teams or something along those lines or emotional intelligence, whatever. There's, you know, there's a huge list of yeah. possibilities. Um, and then at the end of the workshop, they'll break up into small breakout sessions, each one with a mentor to facilitate the discussion. And then they'll talk about, you know, what they what their takeaways were from the workshop, how they're going to apply it mm. in their um, careers and, you know, just support each other. So every month you'll have that same group, that same small group with the same mentor. So you can really develop relationships and I was a support say, that's network. Because then you're and, exactly mm-hmm. so you're so I think it combines all of those things. So you're getting training, you're getting a mentor, and you're getting a support network of peers. Wow, all yeah. in one. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay, so in April, April. So I'm like, okay, so I need to sign up for that. <laughs> that's amazing. Are there any other like upcoming events within Valamo that if people are on your website right now as mm-hmm. we're talking, anything they can join in the couple like next couple of weeks? No, I have a, through Nabo especially. I have a huge network of people who are professional coaches and trainers, and I've asked a bunch of them to do workshops for me for free and put them on the Valamo platform. So today, March eighth. Um, there's going to be a workshop on effective delegation. Um, that's going to be run by Lisa Curly Malice, who is a fabulous, um, coach. Yeah. I think I already Cleveland. signed up for it. Oh, did you? I think I signed okay. up for it the other day. Actually. Okay. Yeah. Um, so all the workshops on the platform are free. Uh, the growth galaxies are, they do cost something. So, but joining the community and the workshops and the other resources on the, on the platform are all free. Um, so all the workshops that have been provided in the past are there so anybody who wants to can take them anytime just online mm-hmm. at their convenience um, and I'm sure that there's others coming up soon yeah I will say too it's a really nice like easy what's the word I'm looking for um, user-friendly it's user-friendly oh my gosh thank mm-hmm. you it's very user-friendly it's kind of reminds me of like a Facebook group yeah where yeah you know there's different you can you know write it's, on a feed and mm-hmm. you can ask questions or yeah um, reach out and then people will comment and give advice or whatever right. it may be yeah um, and there's different chat rooms about there's different, different topics. chat rooms there's different mm-hmm. so there's just so much within this kind of community starfish community will you mm-hmm. and I think it's really refreshing because it is. It's just a bunch of women kind of coming together and using each other, mm-hmm. you know, for, for different things. And I think mm-hmm. the workshops are great. You'll go and do, you know, announcements and you'll go mm-hmm. live. And there's yeah. just so much within this that I think is beneficial. And I also think this is a great opportunity for younger women in, in business. Absolutely. And, to join and just to learn from people that have already, you know, gone mm-hmm. through what you're, you know, you're, you could be going through. And I love it a lot. I got a lot of my friends, like, very interested. They're joining. Great. And I think it's, I think it's a great place. So awesome. if you're, if Thank you're you. interested, oh my gosh, of course. So if you're listening to this, like, that sounds like something I should do, or you're a little nervous, just join. Look what, a, it's free, first of all. There's no, yeah. you're not tied to anything. Join, watch a workshop, join something 
the growth galaxy honestly sounds amazing that's i feel like a good entryway into kind of finding your core group and just getting to know other women yeah i just think it's yeah. a great space and i think yeah. coming up with this idea was genius i think oh, it's really you. just bringing so many great people together and i i love it you, you learn so much with from other people so absolutely and you know when i was in corporate before i started my company i had no outside network at all i had no idea how to network you know, if my network was basically people that I used to work with right. <laughs> at previous jobs, right? That was my network. Yeah. You know, and now in the days of LinkedIn and stuff, you have a big bit wider of a network. Most people do, but the people that you know, you know, people that if you get fired, you can pick up the phone and call and say, "Hey, right. <laughs> I just got fired. What should I do? Do you know of anybody that has a job?" Right. You know, if I had had that kind of network at a bunch of other companies back when I never got fired, but back when I was in corporate, um, I think it just would have enriched my career. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think that's what it does. It's, mm -hmm. It gives you that, that safe space to, to really network and to get to know other people yeah. and learn. And, and, have, and have a community of peer support like exactly. Imago does for business owners. Exactly. So, yeah. So my, my goal for Valamo is, I mean, anybody is welcome to join. It doesn't, you don't have to be... Um, a business owner right, at right. all. In fact, I there are a lot of business owners who are currently members, but I actually really want it targeted towards women in corporate. In corporate, right. You know, people who, like me, are being promoted and being asked to lead, lead others and manage projects and have no idea how to go about doing that and yeah. want that peer support. I think a lot of times, too, in the corporate world, you get very bogged down and you do feel like you have nobody to talk to about mm -hmm. it. Yeah. And this is that space. Exactly. So, um, for sure, I definitely think it's not just for business owners. Hopefully, we oh, didn't no, say no. that. No, no. Um, I think it's a, a perfect spot for people going through the corporate ladder, like mm -hmm. climbing the corporate ladder. Yeah. Because um, there's so many resources out there for business owners and there's so many resources right. out there for senior leaders in corporate, but not True. for the mid level. Yeah. The emerging leaders. There's a missing, there's, there's a missing piece. It's the, yeah. The missing middle. Mm-hmm. Um, so wrapping things up a little bit, what are you looking forward to the most in the future professionally with Velamo, with mm -hmm. any of your endeavors? What are you looking forward to the most? Um, well, I really hope that I, I, my hope and plan is to grow Velamo into a really vibrant, active, engaged community. Mm-hmm. Um, to get the growth groups up and running and have people really get a lot out of them and benefit from them. And right now I've only got two groups planned, but if there's a huge demand and then I'll launch more, you know, yeah. so that could be part of it. Um, I am planning on writing a second book. Yay! <laughs> so when I first started the plan for the book, it was actually a two part book. So right. part one was that. mindsets mm -hmm. and then part two was skills. Mm -hmm. Um, I realized I had bitten off more than I could chew. So I decided just to make the first book be just about the mindsets of leadership. And so the second book will be the skills of leadership. So things like team building, communication, negotiation, things like that. Amazing. Oh my gosh. Well, that's going to be great. Mm -hmm. Do you know when that, like, are you working on it currently? Um, I'm just starting I, to do some more interviews for that. Mm -hmm. So I haven't really started the writing process of it yet, but I am kind of working getting, it, getting yeah. going. Yeah. Do you have mm -hmm. any advice for young women um, listening just professionally in the corporate world, starting their own business? Just mm -hmm. Sure. Um, find a mentor, <laughs> one. Yeah. Um, 
learn as much as you possibly can about the subject, about, you know, if you're starting a business, about the industry, or if you're in corporate, about how your company works. Actually, I found this great TED Talk, posted in the Vlama community, that talked about why women aren't getting ahead in corporate. And it was said, everybody's being told, you know, you need to develop these leadership attributes, the mindsets, the skills that we're just, that we've been talking about. But they don't tell women, you need to understand how your company makes money. You need to get involved in the P&L, the profit and loss. You need to be involved in that kind of stuff, bringing in business. They tell the men that, mm. but they don't tell the women. They tell the women, oh, you need to develop these great leadership attributes. And the women do, and they're good at it, but they don't get that next level of training and insight into their company and how it works and what it will take to move to the next level. So for young women in corporate, that's what I, <laughs> that's what I would recommend. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. I feel yeah. like I just learned even more. I feel like every time I see you, I learn more and more. So thank you for sharing all of your wisdom and your experiences with us today. For those of you who are listening, I'm going to link everything in the show notes so you can go visit Velamo. You can buy Master Your Mindset. You can maybe even join Nabo um, and see if there's a chapter near you. And follow Molly and follow all of her endeavors because obviously we have a new book coming, so stay tuned. Not quite yet. Not quite yet, but, you know. Next year or two. Look out for it. Thank you again. This was great. Yeah, thank you for having me. Of course. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe to Girl We Gotta Talk on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. That way you never miss a new episode. You can also follow Girl We Gotta Talk on Instagram at Girl We Gotta Talk Podcast and on Twitter at GWGT Podcast for live tweeting and all your favorite pop culture updates. If you want to watch full episodes, check out Girl We Gotta Talk on YouTube and find all of your favorite episodes over there. If you liked today's episode, head over to Apple Podcasts, hit the five stars or leave a review and let me know what you thought. I seriously love hearing your feedback. It really means the world to me. Thank you guys again so much for listening. Talk to you guys next week. Bye.